to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you could please turn with me to Colossians. We're going to start a new book here. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Colossians 1, verse 1. Title of our message here this morning is Stay on Track. Stay on Track. When I was uh, probably in my early 20s working for a water meter company, we, we had a project in Sault Ste. Marie, and that's up in the Upper Peninsula. It's probably about a good six hours away from my home. And uh, so during the project, I'm trying to remember, maybe it was like a six-month project or eight-month, somewhere in there. But uh, I would, the company that I worked for had a house there for me, so I stayed at the house there through the week. On the weekends, I'd come home, and, you know, and then what I would do is Sunday at about one in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, I would drive through the night to make it there for Monday morning to be at work. But the problem was is I would fall asleep at the wheel, and I-75 that takes you all the way out there, it had those little reflectors on the road, you know, you'd hit it, and you'd go, you'd hit it like that. So I'd literally fall asleep and hit the reflectors and wake up and fall asleep and hit the reflectors and wake up. And, and I, was, I, like, I made a practice of that until one time I'd, I woke up a little too late and I was like running into the car next to me and I hit the steering wheel to move away and my car spun out. I ended up in the ditch. And somebody came by, these truckers guys came by and they put chains on my, my vehicle. They pulled me out and, and I, just, I was shook up pretty bad after that because I realized I could have died. I could have been killed at that time. And, and the problem was is, you know, I, I didn't stay on track. I should have, you know, slept like, I, you know, with a full night's sleep and I should have, you know, been awake and alert and stayed on track. As believers, we can have a tendency to get off track spiritually speaking. And one of the reasons why Paul the Apostle writes this letter to the church in Colossae is to remind them to stay on track, not to veer to their left, not to veer to their right, to, to truly stay on track where God has called them. And, and during the time that Paul wrote this, there was false teachers that were kind of infiltrating the church, and they were teaching that you needed to follow Jewish uh, Laws, and you had to follow the dietary laws, or you needed to be circumcised to be saved, or uh, they also had philosophies of men were coming into the church, and all kinds of crazy stuff was creeping in the church. And Paul was writing this letter, again, basically to tell the believers there, don't fall for that. Stay on track. Keep Jesus at the center. Keep Jesus preeminent. Keep, keep Jesus in the center of everything that you do, and don't believe the lies that these false teachers are teaching. So it's a, a corrective letter. It's a very wonderful letter. I'm very excited to, to teach this letter and to go through it with you. And um, we're going to look at just the first four verses here this morning. So Paul the Apostle writes, verse 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love 
for all the saints. Lord, again, just we pray over these four verses. We pray, Lord, that there would be application for us to take away, knowing, Lord, that this was written many years ago, but Lord, we know that your word is for all of us, that this word is living. So again, bring it alive to us, Lord, as we study to show ourselves approved to you. May we be those workers that needeth not to be ashamed. May we truly rightly divide your wonderful word of truth. Bless our time, Lord, we pray. Amen. Just as a way of introduction to this new book, uh, obviously, as we just read, uh, Paul the Apostle is the one that was writing this letter to the church in Colossae. Um, It's believed that it was written around A.D. 63. Um, He wrote to believers, as uh, it tells us in verse 2. So it's not written to the unbelievers, but to the believers that were there in Colossae. If you're a note-taker, Colossae was about 100 miles inland from Ephesus. And Paul the Apostle uh, had three years in Ephesus as he was teaching and training up people and, uh, regarding the word of God. And this is considered one of Paul's uh, prison epistles, his prison letters, because Paul was in Rome when he wrote this letter. He was uh, in prison in Rome, and uh, this was one of his uh, prison epistles. Interesting to take note, Paul the Apostle never went to Colossae. So he never visited Colossae. I'm sure he wanted to go there, but he never had an opportunity to actually visit Colossae. But he had such a great love because he heard of the love that they had. He heard of their faith. But again, he never actually went there. It's believed that when Paul was ministering in Ephesus for three years that this man uh, by the name of Epaphras received the Lord as he was in Ephesus, but his hometown, he was from uh, Colossae. So uh, Epaphras, it's believed that he went back to his hometown and he shared Jesus with people. And through that, a church began and, and then you know, a church developed. And uh, many believe that because of a verse in, in this book, Archippus was one of the main pastors. So... Um, we have Epaphras was probably one of the main founders, but then Archippus ended up being, what crazy names, aren't they? <laughs> but he ended up being like uh, one of the pastors of the church. Another note before we dive into this, uh, the church was probably about five years old when Paul the Apostle wrote this letter. Um, again, he wrote this letter because false doctrine was creeping into the church there was also, I mentioned a few, but there was also uh, Eastern philosophy was, was creeping in, Gnosticism, mysticism. And before I get into the text, I just want to say, you know, Paul is writing this to make sure people stay on track. And it's important for us, you know, with, the, with false doctrines and false teachings and mysticism and the philosophies of men. And the Bible talks about a, a little leaven can leaven the whole lump. In other words, a little bit of false doctrine can really mess everything up. And so as a pastor of the church, you know, I'm very concerned when there's anything that's false that comes into the church because, you know, we have to fight for that. We have to fight for truth. And, and Paul, he's writing this letter and he takes the time, even though he's in prison, to write this letter to warn them of these false doctrines and warn them, don't fall for that. And my warning to you today, you know, as a congregation, let's, let's not fall for false doctrines. When it seems strange, when it seems weird, it's strange and weird, okay? 
And sometimes it's mystical. They're like, well, that sounds so good. And that sounds so wonderful. And that sounds different. And we have to be careful. When it sounds different, there's a reason. It's different because it's not real. There's a few things I've been hearing, you know, just these crazy little sayings that, that sound so fluffy and so airy and so good. You're like, wow, that sounds good. But it really doesn't match up with the scriptures. And beware. And this, that's what this letter is all about. Again, Paul the Apostle takes the time to write a letter to a church that he never even went to because he heard false doctrine was taking place and it was creeping into the church. And he's penning this saying, guys, don't, don't, don't get off track. And I want to say to all of us, don't get off track. We, we interpret scripture with scripture. We don't, you know, we don't buy into false doctrine. We don't buy into the philosophies of men. We need to stick to what's real, and it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. We're sinners saved by grace. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't sin anymore. That's, that's garbage. We do sin. And I wish I could say that. If there's one person here that never sins anymore, can you raise your hand? If you're, if you're, you're sinless. You've never sinned in your life. And you don't sin anymore. Because if you raise your hand, we're going to say, you're a liar. <laughs> All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we that need to beware. And there's... You know, it just, it, it gets me when I, when I hear stuff like that, trying to even creep into our church. It's like, I, it bothers me. We won't have it. So beware. So the letter, warning the church of Colossae, stay on track. So let's look at the first verse again. Can you please, I'll put it up on the board. So Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a typical greeting, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Pastor Chuck used to say all the time. He said, you'll never know the peace of God until you first experience the grace of God. You'll never know the true peace of God until you first experience the grace of God. When you become a believer and you experience God's grace, it gives you great peace, doesn't it? We're saved by grace through faith. And when we experience the grace of God and we realize all of our sins are forgiven and it brings such peace in our lives. And so he's greeting them with this wonderful greeting and saying grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My question to you, have you experienced the grace of God? Then do you know the peace of God? See, God gives us a peace that goes beyond understanding, goes beyond our circumstances. I find in my own life, many times I pray for things and God doesn't change the circumstances. He changes me and he gives me peace. And I'm like, Lord, as long as I have your peace, whatever happens, happens. I'm gonna trust you because I've experienced the grace of God. I've experienced your forgiveness. I've experienced grace, unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor with God. And when we experience favor with God, it brings such peace, doesn't it? And so he greets them. And I, I heard many years ago when Tom Hanks, he received an Academy Award for Best Actor for Forrest Gump, and then he received an Academy Award for the movie Philadelphia, uh, he was doing an interview, and the interviewer asked him, he says, Tom, you, you have probably everything a, a man would want. You have great success. You have a beautiful wife. You have wonderful children. And he says, is there anything you don't have, Tom? And he thought about it for a minute, and he says, peace. I don't have peace. 
You see, you can never experience the peace of God with the material world. It's not gonna bring you peace. The grace of God, when you experience the grace of God, you experience the peace of God. So he writes to, back to verse two, it says to the saints, or, you know, it's interesting though, before we get there, Paul the apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He didn't, you know, make himself an apostle. It was God's will. It was God that set that up. And it's so comforting to know what the will of God is for our lives. I personally believe that you will never miss the will of God when you just stay close to the Father. When you keep seeking, you know, Carl Westerlin uh, brought that up two weeks ago. He, he was talking about that. But it, it's so awesome to know the will of God in your life. When you have that peace and you realize, you know, I'm in the will of God. I'm standing up here right now and I'm like, Lord, I know for a fact I'm in the will of God. And that's comforting to know that. Paul the apostle, he knew he was an apostle by the will of God. And it's so comforting to realize when we know the will of God, when we have, you know, that understanding that this is the will of God. And, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be, tra- be transformed. And then it goes on to say that you may know, that you may prove what is that perfect, good, acceptable will of God. When we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by by God's word and by the spirit of God, then we automatically, we we know what his will is because he maps it out. His word is a lamp to our feet. His word is a light to our path. His word illuminates all of our steps. So he writes to the saints. There's some churches that'll tell you that you need to be something very, very, very special to become a saint, don't they? But that's not true. He's not writing to dead people. You know, a lot of times they say, well, that person's a saint. You know, that person's dead and they're a saint now. And now. But no, no, he's writing to people that are alive. And a saint just basically means to be consecrated, to be set apart to God. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ here today, you're considered a saint. We have St. Pete over there with us right now today. St. Karen. And we've got, you know, St. Eric. We're just saying St. Bob, you know, St. Kathleen. St. Joseph. Don't you like the sound of that? (laughs) We're saints. Vernon McGee used to say, you're either a saint or an ain't. (laughs) There's no in between. If you're in the church and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're considered a saint. He's writing to those that are set apart to God. And that's what we should be as believers, just consecrated, set apart to God. But also he, he writes to those that are faithful, the faithful brethren, and I believe he's, he's meaning those that are faithful to keep, keeping Jesus as the center and not falling for false doctrine, the, the faithful ones, and the ones that aren't falling for these false t- uh, teachers. And so he's, he's writing, he's encouraging them that, uh, you know, these are the faithful ones. And I believe it's a reminder for us to, to be faithful at whatever God has called us to do. Be faithful. What has God called you to do? Just be faithful at it. God calls us to do certain things, and it's good when we complete the work that God's put before us. But another thing I want to remind you, when we first seek the kingdom and his righteousness, he's faithful to complete it in us. God is faithful. We have a faithful God. Wouldn't it be terrible if God started a work on you, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to make these changes, and these changes like, oh, that's just way too much work. Let's scrap this mess. Wouldn't that be terrible? He begins to work on us. He's molding us. He's shaping us. Oh, God, you forgave me of my sin. And then God's like, no, that's too much work. Let's, let's try another. I'm going to try another project. 
He's faithful to complete the work that he's begun. God is faithful, and, and I want to remind you of that today. If God has begun a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He won't give up on you. Personally, I would have given up on myself many times. I truly, sometimes I give up on myself. I'm like, Lord, I am just a mess. But he's faithful. He, he's faithful to complete the work that he's begun in all of our lives. He is faithful. But I, I want to say, you know, we should be faithful at what God has called us to do. And, and many times we can get frustrated and just say, give up and say, well, I tried this and just give up. And, and the enemy, he's just ruthless, I believe, in attacking us. And our, our flesh is in there. And we, you know, we can get discouraged so easily. And the, and the Bible just will, you know, today just encourage you, be faithful. You're going to have attacks when you step out to do things for the Lord. You're going to have you know, difficulties. You're going to have trials. But let me tell you, those trials are not against you. Those trials are for you. And what happens so often, what we'll do in our human nature is we'll jump out of that situation because we're like, oh, that's too difficult. I'm going to jump over here. Oh, this is so much better and it starts off so nice. But guess what? You're going to start to have problems in that situation because God wants to do a deep work in every one of us. And in order to do a deep work in us, he has to turn up the fire. He's got to turn it up, and it's going to, you know, it's going to surface things out of us. And those things that are surfaced out of us, we don't need to make excuses. That's what the human nature wants to do. Well, the reason why I do that is because I've done that all my life, and I'm just like, you know, I'm this. I won't even use the nationality because I got in trouble last time when I did that. <laughs> so I'm this nationality, and that, you know, these people are, you know, this, we're, we're like that. You know, we, we're not supposed to do that. We're just to call it what it is. This is sin. God, forgive me. And the problem is, when you, when you get into this sinless perfection doctrine where people say, well, I don't sin anymore. And it's like, so then you kind of make excuses. Well, that's not me. I don't sin anymore. And that doesn't belong to me. And that's just, it's just that I forgot who I was. Baloney. You're a sinner. You need Jesus Christ. You need the cross. You need to confess that before the Lord. You need to confess it to him. And he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Wednesday, I was over at Calvary Costa Mesa, and I ran into a gentleman that I've known for about 17 years, George Bocade. He has a ministry to help people who are out of work to find employment through networking. I don't even know. I've never went to the program or anything, but he's been faithful at doing this for the last 27 years. And I was there, I don't know, just before, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, just before seven, I was there and he's got his little carts and he's rolling his thing to his classroom and he sets up all of his stuff and everything. And, and he, you know, he stopped to talk to me and he says, you know, he's been doing this ministry for 27 years. And I'm like, that's faithfulness. That's so faithful. And it's a, you know, it's a voluntary thing for him. He does it to, to help other people, to try to help other people. And it's like, you know, that's a blessing. That's, you know, in, He's being faithful at what God has called him to do. What has God called you to do? If you're a banker, be faithful. If you're an accountant, be faithful. If you're a dentist, be faithful. So I'm looking at one right now, Steve. <laughs> it's a blessing. Steve, he's, he's one of our pastors here that has been ministering with us for I don't even know how many years, at least eight years, nine years, around there somewhere. Yeah, praise God. 
But you know what? He knows he's called right now to be a dentist. So what he does in his dentistry is he, he invites coworkers to church. He's prayed with some to receive Christ. He's, he's using that as a ministry there in his, as in his dentistry. He, he's called to be a dentist. So he's being faithful at doing until he retires. And he's praying that would be soon. <laughs> But whatever, but, but he's being faithful at what God has called him to do. But he, he's using that as a platform to keep Jesus as much as he can. I know him, but to keep Jesus in the center of whatever he does. You know, when he's not there doing dentistry, he's here all the time. And it's a wonderful thing because he loves being in fellowship. He loves to, to have the fellowship of the brethren. And it's, and it's, I don't, you know, I could go around the room. He's just one, he just so happened. I said, Dennis, and I look over and there he is. So, you know, but I could go around the room and just, you know, and talk about those here that are being faithful to what God has called you to do. And I just want to encourage you, continue to be faithful that whatever God has called you to do. Sometimes we don't see immediate results. Jeremiah, the prophet, Jeremiah, he, he didn't see one convert. Did you know that? You know how discouraging that would be? That would be terrible. But he was faithful. Great verses to go with this. Uh, Proverbs twenty eight twenty. I love this verse. A faithful man will abound with blessings. Do you want to abound with blessings? Just be faithful. Another great verse that goes with this, Luke 16.10, it says, he was faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he was unjust in what is least is unjust in what is much. So it, it means that when you can be faithful in the little things that God has given you, you're going to be able to be faithful at the bigger things that God's given you. The, the, the things that God has given you, if you're faithful in the little, he's going to entrust you with more and you'll be able to be faithful in those things. Another great verse, 1 Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found, can we say it together? Faithful. Can everyone see this back here, by the way? Yeah? If not, you need glasses because it's pretty big. One more for faithful. Revelation 2.10. Uh, Jesus talking to the church in Smyrna that we're going through difficult times, that some were going to be thrown in prison. Jesus says, be faithful unto death. Be faithful until, until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful right to the end. And it's a good reminder for us. Let's look back in our, in our text. First, or excuse me, uh, Colossians 1, verse 3. He goes on to say, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Paul's saying... Word is traveling. And the word is traveling that you guys have great faith in Jesus Christ and you guys have great love for all the saints. And he says, I can't stop praying for you guys ever since I heard this news. I, I keep praying for you guys. I, I'm, and you just, you, as you read this, you realize that he is so grateful for this church in Colossae because of their faith and love. Those are two things that are so important in any church is that we have faith in Jesus Christ and that we have love for one another. Faith and love. Faith and love. Faith and love. I'll tell you, when I hear about what's going on in different parts of the world, I, I'm so grateful and I, I'm so thankful. We have uh, uh, Brian McDaniel here sometimes and he tells us, gives us updates on what's going on in Haiti and just, is that a miracle, the things that are going on in Haiti? 
And you just, it, it's exciting when you hear you're so grateful and you're so excited of what God is doing there. And then with uh, Don and Marta there in Israel and the, the apples, Steve and Pat Apple, what God's doing in Israel over there. And just, you know, how Don and Marta are working with the, the Holocaust survivors. And it's like, you know, it, it, you hear about what's going on and it just brings, you're so grateful and it should, as Paul did here, we should pray always for them. And that's what we do. In our prayer time together, we pray for all the missionaries. If we don't, Steve Sollett, he, that's like his, he, you know, this must be Steve Sollett morning or something. Here. <laughs> Dr. Steve Sollett, he, he makes sure we pray for the missionaries. We pray for our missionaries. And Paul's so grateful when he hears about their faith. And, and notice what the faith is in. It's in Christ Jesus. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.